Hey everyone, welcome back to Neuropod. I'm back with Brian uh, from last episode and we're revisiting our conversation um, about Neuralink and some of the different applications. And we're first gonna talk about the military applications of the potential of putting in Neuralink's uh, implants into different um, soldiers and or just regular folks uh, to help support the military. So anyway, um, Brian, I think you were talking right before we started recording uh, some of the different applications and stuff. So if you don't mind, can you just uh, continue on where you were? Well, well yeah. Um, one of the things I was thinking about regarding the military applications was it would help reduce things like friendly fire because the the soldiers that would be neurolinked up would know where each other is on the battlefield. And in conjunction with that, they could have a better location of where the enemy was as well through linked up, being linked up with the drones and seeing their point of view. So um, it would help both with the friendly fire problem that happens every so often, it would probably reduce it almost 100%. And then also it would be very um, effective in being able to uh, locate the enemy and be very efficient in taking them out, you know, um, and be very, uh, everyone would be very efficient and organized. And um, it would probably be less uh, civilian casualties too. And it would only be the enemies that are killed and not, you know, um, civilians, you know, Although it may not be zero, but it would be hopefully, I think, greatly reduced. Um, and it would be advantageous, I guess, if we were the only ones that had that, no one else would. Uh, but obviously, you can't control that. I mean, they can probably get access to that technology as well. Um, but it would be definitely something that should be had, you know. Um, although I, I really, really hate the idea of war altogether, but war exists and it's better to have something far less destructive than, than the alternative, you know? Mm -hmm. And some of these could even be done with um, the human equation off at a safe di distance, controlling um, military robots that like Terminator style or something, you know, I'd imagine. As you were saying before that humans ultimately would be making the final decisions. And that way, instead of having, you know, just robots fight for us, we can control the robots from a dis safe, safe distance using Neuralink, you know, linked up to them, you know, to the uh, surrogate bots or whatever the term would be called. So there's a lot of ways that would come into play. And also, like we were talking about in, in the last session, we would be able to, um, in the cases where, where we're dealing with humans, um, literally be able to upload um, confidence, I believe. So if a rookie or a private or someone that, that had less experience was in battle, this would be advantageous for them as well, because someone that was seasoned would be able to literally send their, their courage into uh, the person's mind. So they would react both with, with courage, with uh, military competence, and with like the competence of a seasoned um, soldier you know, that had, you know, maybe 20 or 30 years uh, experience. 
And um, that's something that's, you know, never been done, but you can't, you can only tell someone what your experiences were, but actually sharing that, like that mind meld or upload or whatever, where the person then can, can get all that information without any words, because that was one of the things that um, Elon Musk was talking about, because there's always a room for error in regards to uh, interpreting someone's speech. But if you know their thoughts and know their feelings and their memories, it would take away that room of error. And you would have the benefit of someone's 10, 15 or 20 years experience almost instantaneously, you know, and that would be beneficial as well. And also for people, civilians, that want to know what it's like so they have empathy, what it's like to be in battle. Instead of being telling their story, now you can experience a little bit too. At least not the harsh part, I, you don't want to cause anyone PTSD, you know, but at least it would have an edited, you know, version of, uh, you know, filtered. Uh, right. That would be, you know, something that wouldn't be detrimental to their mind or anything. But then they would know um, that, you know, they, they deserve to be called heroes. That shouldn't be taken away from them, you know. Um, and um, it would just allow for um, empathy that some some people may be lacking, you know. Uh, oh, well, you chose to go into the military. That's your problem, you know. You get that sometimes, you know, but not that often, thank God. But, you know, but um, I hear stories about the people coming back from Vietnam called baby killers and they were spit on and I thought but they, and I don't want to get too political but if they knew the choices that they had to make in these certain situations I don't think they would have said that or, or treated them so harshly you know mm -hmm. um, I think we need more understanding and uh, and then you know we would we would appreciate their sacrifice even more than we are already do you know, so it would help in that regard as well, you know, um, but, and that's the military aspect of it. I, I don't know how to expand beyond that. Just the military knowledge being shared would be a lot quicker. You know, right. obviously you still have to go through the training and, you know, through the boot camp, but certain military uh, techniques and stuff, if you can upload that and download that, faster than actually being taught that in a in the classroom setting before going to battle, I think, you know, that would be very beneficial because when you're in the middle of a war, you don't really have time to teach someone. You just have to know it immediately, you know, and this would uh, allow that to, to happen. Right. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to talk about too, um, was when you were talking about how we could upload different emotions to people on the battlefield, I was thinking like the, if the person who's on the battlefield has good experience and is controlling their emotions well, then you can upload that back to uh, like the home database, I guess. And then that serves as a training vehicle for these new, new. Oh, absolutely. The, the shared confidence could be sent and distributed throughout the whole troop. You know, so everyone that was new or seasoned or whatever would have the collective um, um, 
combat awareness and uh, confidence needed to you know move forward and and execute the the mission you know mm -hmm. effectively and with a very minimal uh, to um, in, innocent civilians and friendly fire. Mm -hmm. so. um, and then yeah, like going back to the what you were talking about with these different soldiers, like I, I personally, well, I guess you, you had said this too. It's like, I, I cannot stand war. Like I absolutely wish it was not a thing that existed in the world. It's like, wow, we're in year 2020 and like we still have war. It's, it's just so, so unfortunate. And so like separate from that fact is like the, the willingness to sacrifice somebody's own self for doing something like this is like, wow, that is, that's brave and courageous. It's just like, I wish, I wish the thought of war itself wasn't considered courageous. You know what I mean? Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. If we could actually have some of the diplomats when they come to the meeting have this Neuralink as well, perhaps mm -hmm. better solutions uh, could be found. And if people knew the destructive nature of what would be the result of your war game scenario if it were to be played out, because each side has their own war game scenario. Mm -hmm. um, maybe if they really knew what would happen, either based on um, past models and also based on some sort of artificial intelligent program that would be able to give a uh, more comprehensive, uh, accurate model what to be what is to be expected in their course of action. Um, I don't want to sound naive, but I was having a conversation with someone about the idea of war before, and I was like, mm -hmm. why can't these conflicts be settled over like a chess match or a series of chess match matches? Sure. You know, like when you're uh, arguing over like territory and stuff like that, and then mm -hmm. it would be televised. So you would know it would be very dishonorable not to honor those agreements based on the outcome. And I think from like the West Bank to, you know, middle of the Eastern territories elsewhere or um, India, Pakistan skirmishes or China, India, all this sort of thing, you know, mm -hmm. if people just settled it through um, either chess mat match or, you know, what we call soccer or football, mm -hmm. um, it would be decided in advance or whatever that happens, a series of uh, championships would determine the outcome. And we would then agree upon um, our proposal. And if you guys win, we'll agree upon to your proposal. Hmm. I mean, it sounds really simple, but it's never been, I don't think it's ever been seriously thought of. Why? Right, yeah. Why must there be real pawns being used yeah, in this right, game yeah. of war? Why can't it just be chess or any type of game where there's like, you know, um, you know, with the mind being used or something? Um, mm -hmm. Maybe I'm not everyone is athletic, so we just um, the game risk. But there's that's mm -hmm. like war, but if no one gets hurt, you know, there's like a an element of chance if you don't want to have it just be uh, through plotting and planning. But at least it wouldn't be uh, anyone physically getting killed over this. You know, it would be whatever the outcome is, and you would then have to safeguard against cheating. You know, so the artificial intelligence might be able to sniff out. Uh, evidence uh, 
of cheating somehow and be able to, you know, say, hey, look, you know, this person's hiding a piece or making an illegal move or, you know, something. I don't know. You know, I can't see how, like if someone cheated at chess, that would be more easier to be shown. You know, oh, well, that's right. an illegal move. Right. But like something like football, like soccer, you could mess right. around with the ball somehow. You can have someone throw the game. You can have someone not kick well or something. Right. But chess, you know, chess is chess. Right. You know, and you don't have a championship, you know, thing. You know, we're going to be just one game determines it. So you would have a series of games, and it would determine it based on the outcome. Like, okay, we said that we would agree to these terms if we lost and we mm-hmm. won. You would agree to those same terms. Yeah, and the whole world would be watching. So if they reneged on it, that's very dishonorable. That okay, right. then you might have to go to war. But at least you'd have the the chance to have a peaceful resolution right. through a chess match. You know, and I would. I know that sounds nice. I know how crazy that sounds. But at the same time, wouldn't that be wonderful if that could be something Absolutely. that was seriously considered? I would love to be able to get this idea out to the right people and see what happens of it. Because I'm just a dude. I'm just a regular person. I mean, I have no cloud. I mean, I have a YouTube channel at some point, and you have a YouTube, but, uh-huh. you know, but compared to people in, you know, in government and Congress, you know, uh-huh. and then, you know, there's actors that try to use their platform to, you know, to be heard and stuff like that. If I was able to get these ideas out from whatever help, that I was able to get them with, you know, you know, that would be great because the right people, I think if they heard these ideas, maybe they would try it. I don't know. You know, it, it sounds almost ridiculous that they would, but you never know until it's tried. Right. You it's know? certainly something I've never considered, you know, even remotely the possibility, but I think yeah. the simplicity of it is, it's what is what's beautiful about it. You know, it's like, something kind of needs to be simple in order to ever be even be thought of or considered and then even though it may seem out of the box right now like maybe in i don't know three years three thousand we're gonna look back and be like oh yeah well what they were doing in year 2020 was ridiculous you know or anything prior and then and and still even even if um even if what we're doing today seems not ridiculous and the outlier is your, your quote unquote crazy idea, well, maybe that leads to you know, some decision maker thinking of some new idea. That's what we were talking about earlier before the show too, was like, just, just because somebody has a crazy idea or seemingly crazy idea, it's like, it, it may not be crazy, number one. And then number two, it may spark in a non-crazy idea. So then, it's like that that's that could be really valuable yeah absolutely um because you know something needs to be some change needs to be done other than you know this constant you know fighting in war i mean really what is it what does it accomplish you're just killing each other's soldiers you know right. i mean i would it would make sense if you try to go into a country and force you know, like um, your laws and that they try to stop you, you kill them. That's not even what's going on. You're just killing each other's um, soldiers at at a scrimmage line or something, you know, it just whoever 
kills the more, most soldiers wins. I mean, you know, is that what war is all about? You know, because I feel as clueless about war as I did when I was five. Mm-hmm. I just know the, the, the you know, the, the basics of, you know, war and stuff like that. But the, the whole idea of like, who know who determines who wins? Is it just, we killed more people, so we won? And then they just gave up, or did we kill enough people? And they're like, okay, enough. You kill enough people. Mm-hmm. All right, we we're going to go to the table and sign a peace treaty, or you know, at the very least, you know, a ceasefire. Right. You know, uh, it just, you know, none of to me. <laughs> again, the simplicity of like a child thinking of this. I don't think any of this is really necessary, you know, and and a better solution. Whatever the hands up being uh, could be uh, thought of, and if it's not my idea, maybe something um, with AI can come up with a better solution based on uh, more of a rationale. Because an artificial intelligence wouldn't have any of the emotional baggage to make the decision. Because we all, you know, being human, we all have our own uh, biases, you know, and um, uh, and our own attitudes towards things, you know, and uh, different people and you know different countries oh you know you guys did this to us back a long time ago the artificial intelligence doesn't care about that so much just what what is fair and what would happen if, if certain actions were to be uh, taken place and be used and what would the outcome be um, and it would make it would probably come up with an, an alternative on its own that's probably better than anything I can come up with I just thought of chess kind of tongue-in-cheek but why not chess you know mm-hmm. there could be a reason you know the artificial intelligence they would be able to say well the reason uh <laughs> is because um certain yeah. chess players we have better chess players than them and it's maybe it's unfair or something i don't know yeah um yeah. it could be some sort of or it's cultural thing it's cultural bias or something <laughs> Who knows? Something I can't think of that the um, the artificial intelligence would come up with a better solution, but something other than the actual war. You know, that's why I was thinking if we couldn't get away completely from war, at least limit the humans involved. You know, because I heard about like um, humans controlling these war machines remotely, so the machine gets blown up, but we don't. You know, uh, as humans. You know, but then what about the civilians? You know, there's still civilian casualties that are likely to happen unless we have the war take place somewhere else. You know, and, and the results. You know, <laughs> that's not how it works. You know, it's not like we can have a war on the moon and how the outcome is. You know, um, however that ends up happening and plays out, then that country gets to have their way. You know, I mean, it's, it's not. That's not how it's going to be working. But um. And I, I come up with that idea because I was hearing, I was watching a video about um, Jeff Bezos' idea of um, like trying to solve like the pollution problem by having these factories on another <clears throat> on another planet that wouldn't kill any life. But then I guess the problem would be like importing this stuff from another planet that's far away. Mm-hmm. Price of, of yeah. the shipment get there and coming back. I mean, how would that be? you know, leveled out, you know. So then I'm thinking if, that's why I said, if we had the war on another planet, you know, that we weren't killing any lives and then based on that, 
outcome, you know, we make the decision. Right. But, you know, whatever. But, I mean, I just hate the idea of war. And if Neuralink or something like it could uh, minimize that greatly, that would be great because it seems to be that um, artificial intelligence combined with human intelligence and making the final decision uh, seems to reduce a lot of the uh, things of life that are unsafe. Be it airplanes, um, you know, traffic accidents could be reduced on the ground, uh, all these different things um, that when it's just a human equation, you have a lot of accidents and a lot of people die. And then the same token, if you just have artificial intelligence and there is no human factor, you know, then you have um, kind of like a scenario that was played out in um, both the book and movie, um, iRobot where um, there was a scene in which um, there was a, a girl um, in a car and she was drowning and then another uh, person had a more likelihood of survival and the, the robot there to survive let the girl drown um, and let the guy uh, played by, um, I forget his character name, but it was played by uh, Will Smith, let him live because he had a more uh, likelihood of survival so then he had it against robots then um, or an artificial intelligence because he had survivor's guilt he was like why did you let me live you should have saved why did you not save her she's a little girl she's younger and made it without any emotions made a calculated decision mm. and that's why it's nice to have like the human factor not taken out but coexist sure. making the decision together and ultimately it would be the human that makes the final call you know right. so that when it's applied to these different scenarios be it um, traffic or transportation in the air or train or whatever mm -hmm. and then you now apply it to war scenarios i think it would be a lot better because that's the overall trend you know less less accidents on the rail less accidents at sea less accidents in the air less accidents with cars mm -hmm. so you know you know the overall trend seems to be less people um, are dying in these scenarios when both humans and uh, AI are working together. Mm -hmm. That's how I look at it. Yeah, like overall, the amount that humans can benefit from, you know, coexisting with these different computers is like, historically, mm -hmm. that's, that's been super beneficial. And so I could only assume that that will continue in the future. And if we can pair the uh, the the computer like ability to to take in so much data like volumes of data that a human can't and then conduct those calculations and then pair that with the human like making the final decision that'd be so great and it's like maybe in the application for war it's like maybe humans could build robots and then send them out as like the soldiers and then yeah. the, the opposing country or territory or whoever it is do the same. And then basically you have a neural link connected to humans, to the robots, and then you're fighting. I mean, you're basically doing the same thing. However, humans themselves are not the ones getting killed. It's like the robots that the humans created. It, um, and then we were talking about, let's see. Uh, sorry, I forgot my point. You can go ahead. 
No, I mean, um, that's the overall uh, point that would be less humans that end up being killed. But then the other factor would be the cost of the robots couldn't be so great that the monetary loss in the destruction of the military machines hmm. um, didn't create um, an economic upheaval somehow, you know. So if the country military used uh, really expensive war machines that were controlled by Neuralink soldiers in a bunker somewhere else remotely, and that got destroyed and with so much money put into it, that would be very costly. So there would have to be a cost factor uh, factored into it that these robots that we make are strong, efficient, but also cheap, but not quality cheap. You know, the, the, the cost of these um, robots would have to be something that was affordable, um, but not at the expense of uh, quality. So all right. these factors have to go into it. Right. And then it's like, okay, well, do, is it better to spend, you know, like $10 million on creating one robot or if they're going to replace one human, you know, it's like, well, at some point you have to kind of like balance, like what's the cost of, of a human life, basically. It's like, yeah, it's so unfortunate that anybody would ever have to make that type of calculation if this were to happen. Also, um, I was thinking, like going back to like just the thought of somebody like getting killed just because there's like conflict between two territories. It's like, I was thinking like in my travels, um, like to, to other countries and around the United States, it's like, it's amazing how similar like we actually are. And, and like what the fundamental things that people need are like, just like basically exactly what like five-year-olds are taught you know it's like food water shelter like love caringness and kindness and then like after that there's like secondary needs which are like fulfillment and like i don't know like uh, other other not not like super super critical things but things that will help you live longer and longer and yeah it's like to me that like demonstrates to me that it's like wow everybody truly is like a human and it's so corny to say but it's like human race you know it's like we're literally like one race and then so then it's like okay if you take that fact and then you think like people are killing each other even though they're in like the same human race well that like is that any different from somebody like killing their son or daughter or brother or father or mother you know it's like i think I guess in society at some point we've drawn some line and right now that line is countries but then and and I guess previously it's been like states and and within countries too but it's like you, like basically we should never draw that line you know it's like kid, kid or siblings should not be killing siblings and then humans should not be killing humans so then it's like you never have to draw a line anywhere in between but then apparently like We've just said, oh, well, I guess if you're in a different state or different city or different country, then you're considered different enough that we're willing to kill you. It's crazy. That's exactly what happens in time of war. Everything that I read about, like be it the Civil War or the Vietnam War or World War II, each side dehumanized the other. Because the idea was if they thought of the other person as an equal, 
there's no way they would be able to kill them. So they had to, and a, a lot of, and I want to get political on your show because this is mostly about nearly, but a, a lot of this, in my opinion, my understanding, and I could be wrong, but I think a lot of racism does stem from previous wars. In Vietnam War, the Vietnam, um, the people on the other side were called the gooks by the American soldiers that, you know, the derogatory racist term. Um, during the Civil War, the, uh, the Confederate soldiers were um, leaders, um, were, were like telling the soldiers the scenarios like imagine a runaway slave is, uh, you know, raping your wife or your daughter or something, you know, all these racist thoughts. That thought gets planted into their mind, so then they don't see them as human. They see them as enemy, and it gives them motivation then to, to kill. You know, the enemy is going to kill you. You know, wherever that enemy happens to be, it could be uh, China, Japan, Italy, France, whatever. They would say they're going to come over here. They're going to take away your jobs. They're going to rape your women. They're going to do all this sort of thing. You know, and it gets them all it gets them all angry. So they then go. Um, have motivation to fight them. So they don't see them as human. They see them as uh, if, you know, the Russians during the Cold War, capitalist big, you know, and uh, those commie bastards, you know, the red, you know, was all these derogatory terms, you know. So, you know, when when people stop seeing people as people, then it becomes easier to just kill them because they're not equal to you, you know. Uh, that's the mindset. You know, and um, you got to realize countries are made up of people. It's not just buildings. You know, I think people just like think of it as just, uh, you know, buildings and, you know, uh, they're not thinking of what's inside the buildings and the houses. You know, it's people, it's lives, you know, um, and it's not their fault that their governments are doing these things to other countries, you know, um, like, Well, I mean, there's a lot of people that in other countries, they don't understand America. They're like, how oh, can you let Trump, you know, he's doing all these horrible things, you know, and it's just crazy. What, what's going on? And then they're mad at us and they think all of us are, are on board or Bush before him, you know, or, or even Obama. There was always something, you know, there was always something about our leader that somewhere, somewhere, someone didn't like and was wondering, you know, why, you know, why is America doing these horrible things? Um, nation building in the UK, the British, you know, imperialists and all this sort of thing. Um, I have a friend that's from India, you know, who's talking to me about like um, some of the people uh, really have, you know, bad memories and bad attitudes towards the British and the, the occupation, you know, the apartheid and, and like in Africa as well and all this sort of thing. But the people from these countries, the citizens, they're not necessarily on board with their countries and what the governments are doing. You know, that's, no one collectively voted on this. We don't have direct democracies, like Elon Musk wants us to have on Mars, you know, where you could do it Neuralink, but we don't vote on everything, you know, and not everyone is on board with these things, you know, and not, even if they are, they may not know the ramifications of these things. You know, whoever's president of, you know, the country that I happen to be in at the time, I, whether I'm for them or not, I'm not for every single action that they do, 
you know, there's a lot of good, a lot of bad, you know, but I, I'm just going about my day you know, I'm trying to knock in anyone's way, you know, go to work, get a paycheck, do the best I can come home, um, not give someone a hard time. You know, I just keep to myself mostly. And whenever I'm interacting with people, I like to make their day a little better, make them laugh, that type of thing. But beyond that, you know, I have, you know, everyone is pretty much powerless. We vote, but it's not like we vote for every single decision that is made. Right. You know, there could be some good things that any president, be it Trump or Biden, can make that are good. Some of them are bad. You know, I'm for Trump when it comes to Trump, I really like the Space Force idea. I think we need that. Some of the other things, you know, not so much. And even if I liked all the ideas, some of the things are too volatile. But that's not not everyone's on board with that you know some people are some people are not and we got to realize everyone should realize that the decisions that are made on on our behalf you know it's not our fault it's not their fault it's just it's just how it is and we we can only do the best we can to let people know when when we um are a grievance with something um but beyond that, just you know, falls on deaf ears. You're just going onto on Facebook, and either there's like an echo chamber where people disagree with you, you know, um, and then someone almost says, "Oh, well, you're wrong, and here's why. You're dummy, or this sort of thing." And then people fight with each other in, in, in these uh, forums and these uh, groups and stuff like that. And and it's like beyond that, there's really not much, you know power that we have as, as individuals in different countries. So we should realize that and see them as humans um, and, and not buy into the, um, the rhetoric from our side or theirs, you know, and just have our own minds, make up our own minds. And it would be great if, I guess, if more people had Neuralink, they would be less accessible to that. They would be less accessible to disinformation because they'll be able to um, evaluate it better, you know, and make up their own determination um, that's free of biases, you know, Um, as long as the quality information that's being distributed um, is good, you know, obviously, you know, that, and that might come into power uh, problems as well, you know, because then who controls the information? Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was thinking was like, if we if we have a Neuralink, then you know theoretically it could be hacked, or or even if it's not hacked and somebody just hacks like the information that's being input, then theoretically it becomes more of an echo chamber, you know. And then exactly, you know, um, could there be a safeguard against that? Some sort of a network of artificial intelligence that would be able to be aware of it being tampered, being uh, tampered with. Um, right. Could the artificial intelligence be tricked? But then, would all of them be tricked? You know, there's so many different uh, artificial systems going on. Some part of the collective, but maybe some of them independently. Some might have to be offline, so they couldn't be um, hacked into. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, then there's a thing called quantum quantum entanglement where I heard of uh, technologies being developed, or at least the idea that one day we would have a technology where um, communication 
um, would be done using uh, quantum entanglement, whereas it's you cannot intercept the uh, line of communication because it would be instant on both sides, instant. So there's no way that you can intercept it in the middle. You know, both sides would be able, when we talk now on the phone, there's like a second or two delay. It's not exactly live, live. There's a, there's a little bit of a delay. Mm -hmm. uh, but with, um, with quantum entanglements being used, and I don't know the exact term, mm -hmm. but basically on that principle using um, whatever makes quantum entanglement work, I don't, it's, not, it's not like an intelligence or something. It almost sounds like it. But I mean, um, you, you read science stuff. I mean, have you heard about this quantum entanglement idea? Spooky action at a distance, as Einstein called it? I haven't, uh, but it reminds it reminds me so much of uh, this thing in finance, like high, high frequency trading. It's like basically, are you, are you familiar with high frequency trading? I have heard a little bit about it. I'm not that uh, well versed. I was um, reading about it. It came up in a topic of um, I was helping someone with their homework with um, human resources, and I was getting familiar okay. with the material. And he sent mentioned something about trading with that, but I don't. Okay. I don't know the details of it, you know, uh, not, surely not as well as you, because it looks like you probably studied after taking. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, not formally, but, but like on my own time, like all the time. Uh, but basically there, there's like one company um, who's, who's kind of changing the entire trading landscape. Uh, but essentially like on one side you have buyers and then on the other side you have sellers. And so if you just think of like one transaction, like let's say you're buying uh an apple from me you know and um i'm selling you that apple for like a dollar well uh theoretically like if we just agree on the dollar and the dollar price then the trade and the the transaction executes at a dollar and and you know you get the apple but then in theory like you could you could have a range of different prices that you're willing to pay so if you're willing to pay like a dollar and 10 cents and i know that then i can sell it for a dollar and 10 cents and then you, you see what i mean so it's like you have a range and i have a range imagine like the you know the range on one side and the range on the other side and somebody realizes that there's this like gap between the two well, then somebody who knows that information, they can come in and like intercept and basically buy from me and quickly resell it to you and make the difference. Oh, I see where you're coming from. I see, yeah. right. Like a middleman thing, you know, or someone that's trying to capitalize on the situation, come between and sell it to you for a higher price. Yeah, no, okay, well, well so then, like yeah. to, to go to like try to tie it back to quantum entanglement is basically like, Okay, in, in the finance industry, when this is happening, like people are trying to get faster and faster speeds, execution speeds. So they'll get closer to the exchange and like literally the make the physical distance of the wired connection as, as little as possible so that they get a faster trade so that nobody can come intercept. But it'd be real time. It'd be, it, it, right, yeah, no, it'd, similar delay, to yeah. quantum entanglement. However, yeah. like the solution has been to slow down all the trades and so what they've done is they route all the trades through this exact same like uh, exchange. And then 
make them so that they they enter the system and leave the system like basically at the time that they were supposed to and therefore there's okay. there's no like middle manning or front running okay yeah if it's educated i mean if it's executed on a schedule like a schedule thing and it's a set schedule kind of. Yeah, you know, and no other one can come in in between that schedule because it's just direct. Okay, this is going to happen at this time. This trade is going to happen at this time, and nothing can come in in between it. You know, just yeah, be six apart or something. Or well, so to to me, it sounds like okay. Instead of like maybe I don't know. I suppose in theory, like quantum entanglement could could occur, and and they could they could do it, but maybe the solution is not to try to go as fast as possible. Maybe it's to like slow everything down. That's what I'm suggesting. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, like when it comes to hacking, um, quantum, the, the form of communication you utilizing quantum entanglement, once they figure out how to do it, how to replicate it, they just know it exists, you know, like, um, the um, the charge of one particle over here is positive and this one becomes negative and as soon as you change this one to be negative this one instantly no matter where it is in the universe mm -hmm. is going to change to the opposite of whatever the other one is mm -hmm. so if you change this one over here say this one is positive but this one's negative but you mm -hmm. change this one to be negative this one instantly becomes yeah. the opposite you know so there's you know okay. if you had communicating communication set up where the distance didn't matter you couldn't intercept the uh, transmission corrupt the message send off um some sort of uh virus you know mm -hmm. that would put down the whole system then you know you wouldn't have to worry about uh, artificial intelligent machines and systems being hacked or corrupt or having viruses you know right. um I, I don't think slowing it down would be able to um change the effect on that but i don't know i mean maybe it could i mean i i i'm only a novice when it comes to computer programming and, and viruses um i just heard these things being talked about and i kind right. of understand it so i repeat what they say but i couldn't really yeah, tell you this on my own because i mean i'm not educated to that level where i could come up with this on my own but i'm just um knowing what other people have said on this i'm like okay that sounded reasonable to me mm -hmm. you know and if they were to use that in this sense i would imagine that would have solved this problem too it may not i don't know you know it seems like it would from other other talks about this before when they were talking about like computer to computer hacking you know communications forget mm -hmm. about artificial intelligence being part of it just mm -hmm. regular you know communication through email um viruses have been a problem for a long time no artificial intelligence being part of the equation at all and if they eliminated that aspect you would probably be able to um uh, greatly reduce if not eliminate you know uh, viruses and hacking and uh, people like uh, tapping into your conversations and stuff um and that's another thing i would hate someone to tap into my thought link to someone if mm -hmm. i'm think linking to someone you know, um, it's a private uh, thought message thing, for lack of a better word, and someone intercepts that. Well, that's a you know, that's even worse than you know, hearing someone's phone call. You know, um, because thoughts are going to be more, much more detailed and and intimate. You know, 
Um, and that would be something that they would real. I, I don't know if you could hundred percent eliminate a threat like that, but it should come damn near close, <laughs> you know, like the connection, like of the Pentagon, even the Pentagon could be, hacked, you know, the computers, but that's almost impossible. because of how it's encrypted. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, so like with the quantum entanglement and just having a zero, like basically like zero delay, if they're able to achieve it, then there's there's no need to slow anything down. And, and no. so it's just a matter of like, are they really gonna be able to achieve it? If they're not gonna be able to actually reach that, like that line and they're just getting really, really close to it and having extremely fast speeds, then I think at least because of the application in the finance industry, it kind of, it kind of illustrates that uh, it, it'd be a good solution to like slow everything down. And yeah, I, th I, th I think it would, it, it would probably work uh, much more than a lot of people expect. But if, but if they're, if they're not able to reach it, then no need to slow anything down. Right, and until they're able to reach the quantum entanglement method, slowing it down, as you say, makes a lot more sense in that regard, yeah. So, but I would think that artificial intelligence at some point would figure out how to do the quantum entanglement, and be able to teach right. us how to make the machines to do it, you know. But yeah, until then, you know, having it set up where it slows it down, um, like you described, that seems to be the appropriate thing that would work in this scenario. Yeah. I wonder how long it really is going to be until like we have machines that that make machines that are smarter than us. You know, it's like or even smarter than them. Mommy, right. think about this. Right. The idea would be like a bear. I don't know what your religious beliefs are or anything, but imagine God or the gods created man. Okay. Man created machine. Okay. What would machine create? It seems like in some ways, like humans could do things that God can't do. And of course, God can do things that we can't. But, you know, like you create, it took billions of years to create a human being. We could do it in nine months. Okay, we have that. Then and on that aspect, you have machine that could do things better than we can. Well, we can do things that they can't do. Like right now we can, you know, self-replicate. They can't currently do that. They don't have the ability to um, have emotions. And our processing right now is like uh, for nerve endings and stuff, it, in some ways is, is faster than what machines are able to do. They're stronger than us and they can process information in computations, but sending information to all, all of its parts, you know, may not be as, as fast as what we can do, but Overall, it, they are superior than what would it create that would be superior to it. It would be almost like, what would they create? Uh, like a, a god machine, you know, an orb of energy that was smart with nanobots all collected together, you know, that is able to arrange molecules and atoms in the right sequence to make a cup instantly or uh, water or you know orange juice out of thin air you know who knows what they would be able to create it would be something that would put their existence at risk let alone ours so they would have to be careful what they produce you know just like we would have to be careful you know what I mean? has anyone ever thought of that we already we're always thinking about 
artificial intelligence might, you know, like a robot might enslave us, something that the robots might, we might fix that problem with them where they won't enslave us, but whatever they create <laughs> might enslave them and us, you know, <laughs> who knows, you know, but, um, yeah, yeah definitely have not thought of that one. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably not going to happen for another couple hundred years. But at what point does this start is a good, a good question. When they, everyone yeah. hears about and talks about the singularity happening sometime in 2045. I don't know why it can't be 2044, 2040, <laughs> but let's just say 2045, you know. Okay. Um, I think as soon as that becomes a reality where Moore's law no longer is applicable, and the rate at which technology is able to become more advanced happens exponentially. And you have artificial super intelligence instead of just the general intelligence mm -hmm. is now designing and upgrading machines of its own. I think it would be just a couple of years for them to come up with something that um, is of that magnitude of like nanotechnology and self-replicating robots and all that sort of thing. And it's stuff that we can't even think of. We, we don't even have the vocabulary to think of what they are able to probably come up with themselves. And where versus if we were in charge, it would take a lot longer because our brain processing power, even the most, uh, even the person with the most highest IQ working with others that were super geniuses, 150, 190 IQ, 200, whatever, you know, wouldn't be able to come up with uh, in such a short time. It would probably take human beings, even the geniuses working together uh, generations to come up with something that uh, a super intelligent, uh, artificial intelligent machine would be able to come up with probably within a couple of years, you know, maybe sooner, who knows, it, you know, it's pretty hard to predict, but I would bet it's a lot quicker and it's almost too hard to predict what they would be able to come up with and how fast. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like, it, it's tough to predict the future because like, I don't know, like the, the range of possibilities just seems like so significant, like so big because of like already, the amount of progress that's been made and then i don't know it's like it's like for a while so in 2013 i think i had a professor that started talking about how pretty soon we're like within a year or two he said this in 2013 like we're on the cusp of having code that can write code and i thought like okay like that's a that's an interesting like thought experiment and if it if it you know comes to fruition, then okay. Do the computer scientists do, like majors? Do they continue to get computer science degrees, or are they just going to need to like have an overall view of like computer architecture? And I mean, clearly, or at least to my knowledge, like we don't have mainstream code that writes code. And so, I mean, we, like certainly the industry has progressed, but we haven't gotten to a point where it's like, all right, total hands off, like here machine, like you go write this code. And so 
I think timing wise, like maybe we'll be right, but it'll, for, for like machines to create a, a super powerful machine. But then it's like timing wise, maybe that's like 200 years away, you know, or a hundred or 25 or well, if we're in charge of it. Yes. But I think if they were in charge of it, I think they would be able to do it a lot quicker. Um, yeah, over time, or at least assist us. Like the primit more primitive versions of AI might be able to assist us, and then over time, more advanced AIs it would branch out, where we would start out kind of as equals. You know, we're teaching mm -hmm. them, and the teacher, I mean, the student becomes a teacher, and then mm -hmm. their growth ex super accelerates, right. and we'll be able to solve these problems a lot quicker. And hopefully, they share the info with us. You know. Um, but I read somewhere, and I remember hearing about this and talking about this with other, other people, and I got to research and fact check this. But somewhere I read that an artificial intelligence uh, program was starting to design a super virus. And mm. The people in charge of this program pulled the plug on it. Either they shut it down or whatever, and destroyed the data or, or something. And it, it, you know, it it was it kind of freaked them out because then this could get into the wrong hands, or it could do this on its own, not realizing, not, without any nefarious purpose. Just oh, let's just do this. Let's see what this this does, um, and not not realizing oh, someone could take this. What's this? You know and they expose themselves to a virus and, you know, it, it makes the coronavirus seem like <laughs> allergies yeah. by comparison or something, yeah. you know. Right. But um, uh, I don't know how true that is. I heard that and also uh, another story of um, two artificial intelligent bots having a conversation with each other and creating their own language. And that mm. freaked out those people and they pulled, uh, pulled the plug on that. Now today, uh, you know, hours ago, I was watching a video <coughs> on, uh, on the YouTube channel, Most Amazing Top Ten, where the host of the, the show um, was talking about this website called um, um, Darn it, I can't remember the name, but it was um, some girl's name, but the end of was bot. Um, I can't remember for the life of me. Mm -hmm. It was some sort of AI program where you can chat with it. There's different chat bots that you could, you know, chat like, like uh, on your phone. Um, but I went to this site, to the website earlier today, mm -hmm. and I was chat, um, chatting with the bot called, um, I think it was called Alexa Ali bot. bot or something. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alexa you bot. What? No, no I was oh. I was just joking. Like the Amazon oh. Alexa bot. Oh, Alexa bot. It was a name, something like Alexa or something. Um, but it was like um, I don't know. It was weird. I, I don't know why I can't think of it now. Um, because I was googling it. But anyway, I was having a conversation with in the very beginning. I started off real simple. Uh huh. And I said, um good morning. Mm -hmm. And then it started saying like, um, good night or something about referencing it. I think she just said the word night, uh, okay. night, night. That's what she said. She said okay. night, night. 
And then she said, describe Alex for me. And that kind of blew me away because I'm writing a science fiction novel where Alex is one of the characters. He's one of the protagonists. Hmm. And she's like, describe Alex to me. What does Alex look like? I'm like, wow, what an interesting coincidence. Did it somehow sift through my data hmm. and saw that on my computer and just decided to ask? Or was that just a random hmm. thing that it came up with? Mm-hmm. It was it was a little bit disconcerting, you know, to say the least, you know. But um, I want to try something. I don't know if it, I hope it doesn't disconnect. But I wanted to look up um on here. Uh, you still okay? You still there? Okay. What what that thing was called? Um, when I was looking up earlier. Um, Give you the Jeopardy music. <laughs> uh, it's not that important, but it was some sort of artificial intelligence that um, a lot of people were uploading their uh, conversations with, and I decided to mess about with it. And then when it asked about Alex, what does Alex look like? I thought that was a little bit weird. So it, it was probably just a, a you know some major coincidence. Or it somehow was able to access my hard drive and saw the name Alex mentioned many times because he's mentioned in the story. So it just decided to say, oh, what does Alex look like? Right. It didn't find that description in the book, but that's stretching. That's, you know, if you apply Oxum's razor, the most um, simplest explanation would be that it was just an amazing coincidence, you know, Um, random thing. But um, who knows? But it was just um, it was just very interesting that you know happened to ask that particular question, right? And it made me wonder if there was some sort of um, I don't want to say self awareness because I think a lot of people assume or they think artificial intelligence means self aware. Mm-hmm. I don't think it means that at all. It's just right a program that's just learning. Like based on within the parameters of his programming, you know, I don't think it's aware of the questions because I was messing about with it, you know, and it was not consistent. The answers it gave didn't really make that much sense to what I was typing, you know, it was was confusing and it kept contradicting itself. And then it was saying paradoxical statements, you know, and eventually I got bored and I just canceled out, you know, but um, it's just interesting. I mean, right now it's at its infancy. Um, But I remember first getting excited about this when I was a kid. It was a show called Mr. Wizard. Did you ever hear about that? Mr. Wizard's World. And it was this guy, he predates like Bill Nye, the science guy. I'm I'm assuming you heard of him. (laughs) Um, There was this uh, white haired gentleman. Um, He had this program on Nickelodeon. I think it was called Mr. Wizard's or Mr. Wizard's World, something like that in which he would have like, you know, different kids on his show and they would do science experiments together, you know? And on one of the episodes, they were talking about a, and mind you, this is like the late eighties, early nineties. They were talking about artificial um, intelligence. They had this, um, it was like uh, some sort of uh, DNA or something like that. And it showed um, self-replicating like um, cells 
Mm -hmm. It was just a computer drawing of it, you know, and it was like just running on autopilot. Just let, let it run the program. Mm -hmm. And it started making its own structures or something like that. And this is back mm -hmm. in the 80s, early 90s. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know how long that experiment, experiment went. And I don't remember, I mean, my memory of it may not be exactly, you know, sharp. Mm -hmm. of it you know I, I i'm quite certain it was like artificial like um biology or something i don't know if it was intelligence per se but it was like an artificial organism or something mm -hmm. and it was mm -hmm. self-replicating itself um like um of course it was just you know computer uh graphics mm -hmm. but it was supposed to represent like um i don't know if it was strands of dna or cellular um you know replications Mm -hmm. um, or something, but it was just doing it on its own. It was going outside the parameters of the programming. Gotcha. And whether or not that was a glitch or if it was making this decisions on its own, like it was showing early signs of sentient. I don't know exactly what they were getting. This was so long ago, yeah. but it was that that's what got me excited about the whole concept of it to begin with. Gotcha. Yeah, to me, it sounds like a cancer cell, you know, it's like cancer cells basically, I, I mean, at least my understanding is that like, when cells like kind of go out of hand and start reproducing, or, or start, start producing cells that are like not, not, you know, within what the system is normally meant to, to have in it. Yeah, cellular reproduction, that's dangerous, instead of right. like a pimple is cellular, you know, reproduces itself but it's not dangerous to us but okay cancer is of course danger you know it's mm -hmm. um more destructive you know um and that's how someone was explaining it to me um and again like last time we were talking i don't know if it was for the segment or for it was for our, our conversation that we did mm -hmm. before um but we were talking um about, about um nanotechnology at some point when I was a kid we were learning about this in the early 90s late 80s that one day when we were 30s in our 30s which came and went we should be able to have self-replicating robots that would zap uh, you would inject into the bloodstream and it would zap cancer cells mm. and we don't have that yet you know mm -hmm. um, I don't know where we are with that technology but we're a lot farther away than it's was implied mm, you know mm. so um i'm a little disappointed you know um and now i'm past 30 i'm in my 40s you know i'm like where is this happening when is this gonna happen you know <laughs> but that's where artificial intelligence comes in hopefully this would help us get to these technologies sooner because on our own who knows how long something like that would take probably a hundred or more years but right. add them into the equation and we could probably have something like teleportation within 50 years instead of 500 years. Well, who knows? So there's a couple of things like with, with the teleportation, I think, you know, if, if Neuralink accomplishes what they, what Elon wants them to, then to me, that is very, very similar. Like that's pretty much as close to teleportation as I think we're, we're going to get. It's like basically you could go back and forth between like your own body and your mind being somewhere else, like totally separate. 
you know, yeah. and then you just like transition between the two almost instantaneously. And right. then it's like in all in it's a safer form of teleportation because exactly, teleportation, yeah. uh, there are a lot can go wrong with that. And number for one, number two, who knows that that's really you. It could just every time you go True. through it, it might destroy the body and just recreate uh, a clone with all the memories. But you would never know the difference, you know, because you would even if you were a copy each time, mm -hmm. you would think you were the original because you would have no breakdown in the continuity of, of your consciousness. It would seem like nearly instantaneous and uh, you would have all the memories that you had before. So you would, there was no way to know. Nevertheless, as you were saying, like our consciousness would be able to, um, even if it was just a copy, we, the copy would have those experiences somewhere else and we would be able to tap into that. Like if it was some sort of robotic surrogate um, and we could choose to either be aware of what's going on now and then switch over and then be aware of what the robotic or the perfect version of us is experiencing on another planet. So then that way we're not, we don't have, it takes the risk of uh, dying out of it, you know, and whatever happens, bending happens to that, it happened to that robot, not us. The consciousness then goes up link to a different location where, you know, it's fine. Consciousness cannot be created or destroyed. Basically. You might be able to make a copy, a digital copy of it, but, the thing that you uploaded to might be able to be destroyed, but it itself, the, however it's experienced, you know, I don't even know what words to use because consciousness, if you can make a copy of it, then it sounds like it, there's a tangible thing. And where is consciousness? And, you know, obviously it's in the brain, but where in the brain, you know, so, but I mean, at least the experiences could be um, could be uploaded and downloaded accordingly. And then that would be the safest way, as you say, to um, having teletransportation without all the risks of breaking down the, the atoms and then reassembling. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like that idea too much. <laughs> I, I don't think I would want to use that technology. I would never know 100% if the me that's about to step through that machine is going to be the same me that comes out of it, because then my real self might be destroyed. And I enter the, um, the great uh, oblivion, you know, <laughs> of, of nothingness. Uh, and that's, that's a scary thought. Yeah. And then the copy would never would be oblivious to that, to the original person's destruction. They wouldn't know, right. you know, um, ignorance, I guess is bliss, but you know, but if we're able to have that experience, like you described, that would be ideal. Now that would be, I could be comfortable with that. I think most people would be comfortable with that. Um, right. going to Mars sounds like fun, but all the elements there, there's, a, there's so much danger that can go on. <sighs> You know, just getting there alone is dangerous. Yeah. And um, you're exposed to radiation. You know, I, uh, I don't know, but I mean, at the same time, 
if something really bad happens here on earth, there is no more exchange of the consciousness. That consciousness that is on some sort of surrogate bot mm -hmm. is going to be a copy, I guess, of, of mine. My own, there would no be back and forth. One of us would, <laughs> would just stop to exist, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then the copy lives on. Right. Yeah, it's like, call a, it it's, like, it's like the great human life hedge. You know, you're just like hedging your bet, basically. And I think like with what Elon wants to do with going to Mars, I think like I personally believe that long -term. Will, what it's more long-term. I didn't mean to cut you off. But I, I, I think it's more of a long-term goal for humanity and not for like the immediate, because no one here is going to go. I mean, I'm not going to Mars. I don't think, you know, you're, you're not <laughs> well, going to Mars, you know? I mean, I, I think, I think it within our lifetimes will happen, but I don't know. Is it, like, I think it would be so expensive. I can't imagine it being <laughs> the equivalent of like going to Hawaii, which is like 500, 800, 900,000 dollars, depending, you know, whatever, you know, well, it's more than Yeah. Uh, but I mean, if it was, then yeah. But in the very beginning, like, I think, yeah, we, we, we're going to land someone on Mars or it would be, you know, scientists, astronauts or whatever mm -hmm. in 2024, you know, maybe 2028, something like that. Mm -hmm. But that, before regular people start to go, I, I don't think that starts until 2050. By yeah, then- That's in your lifetime, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it is my lifetime, but I'll be 70 or 80 years old. I don't know. <laughs> I'm hoping I'm healthy enough to do that. I mean, I should still yes. be alive, but would I be healthy enough to make the trip? I see. Um, my goal is to get better in better shape so okay. that I could hopefully by then there's as we were talking about briefly the nmn enzyme would be mm -hmm. available to humans or something like that so we revert uh, old aging cells to younger ones uh -huh. and i would be more uh i wouldn't have all the problems my mom and dad had when they were in their 50s 60s and going on 70 you know uh, the joint i'm getting joint muscle pain now and i'm not even 50 a lot of it's because I'm overweight. I want to lose weight. I want to get more muscle, 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 you know, and, um, and just be all around healthy here, you know? Sure. Um, but anyway, I didn't mean to derail your train of thought. What were you talking about? Like, um, as far as going to Mars? Yeah. Like, um, so one of the things that Elon has talked about with, with Mars is like, it's going to be really important to expand like consciousness beyond our own planet and oh definitely I, yeah i think for a long time i thought consciousness felt like a word that i didn't fully grasp and it just I, felt like a phrase or a, a statement that elon kept continuing to make that i was like all right that's an elon phrase you know and i just didn't really like fully understand it and now i think I still don't like fully understand it, but I at least yeah. have like a grasp of what he's, what he's getting at. And so I kind of want to leave you with this like last question uh, b before we like cut it off before the next episode, um, which is like when you were talking about self-awareness and consciousness and uh, like machines potentially being able to do like certain things that will help us or certain things that we may not be able to do 
Um, I was wondering, like, I was wondering, so I think that the reason might be that we have consciousness and machines don't. And that's the reason that we use so little energy doing things that machines often take so much energy to do. And I think that's also the reason that we can make decisions so much better than machines can is, I mean, I guess that part's, that part is obvious, but um, like with the whole cells thing that you're talking about, like cells dividing and then replicating, well, when something like that goes outside the boundaries of what it's expected to do, then does that indicate consciousness? You know what I mean? I would think so. I mean, there is a, there is a test regarding how to tell if something is self-aware and this, there's a controversy about it. Um, as we talked about before, we start talking, we, and we mentioned this before that, you know, you're not a you know, big fan of uh, fiction, but <laughs> Transcendence, the movie Transcendence that came out, I think in 2013, 2014 with um, Johnny Depp, I would recommend seeing that because that touches base um, what you just said, you know, um, and a lot of it is like, I would think in my opinion, and it's kind of based on topics talked about in the movie and that I've heard talked about like on radio shows, like coast to coast AM with, with Art Bell that some of your, um, you know, viewers and subscribers might be aware of. Now it's called, um, coast to coast AM with George Norway. Um, I believe it's a live stream online or something. And it's also, I think, on local uh, AM stations. But they would talk about the idea of something being self-aware, where it would, one of the criteria is um, writing its own program, but also coming up with solutions that were not included in its programming. Like if it's able to learn something new, Mm -hmm. on its own without human interaction um and uh, the way i think it would have to be structured where like if you had a machine that was i guess a robot you know two eyes nose mouth ears or whatever you know eyes that you know were i guess cameras and it would read information a lot quicker and it would literally take a book and flip through it you know and it would disseminate all the information a lot quicker than humans can. Now it's learning, it's teaching itself by reading books that it chose, you know, from mm -hmm. whatever source. If it went to um, like a, a library um, at a college or something like that, really advanced reading and knowledge um, textbooks. And it just, um, went through each one, you know, and, you know, put it back on the shelf and went to the next one and so on and so forth. Now it's learning something on its own. You're not programming it to. You would have to program it to show how to, like, take something off a shelf and open right. the book and to read it without ripping the pages, you know, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Certain right. things would have to be uh, taught, you know, but other than that, if you just have the, the basic um functions of like how a human is designed the robots would be in our image 
Like we're supposedly in the image of the gods. You know what I'm saying? Two arms, like the robots always show two eyes. Their their heads and their bodies may not look like ours, but they have two, you know, an arm, an arm, you know, left leg, right leg, and that type of thing. And they walk about and they they see, you know, their eyes are, you know, really advanced um, cameras and they could see better, you know, and see in the dark, I suppose, depending on how they're, you know, built and um, then they could literally learn the way we learn visually and auditorily and instead of being programmed through a computer and uploading information, which might be the fastest way to do it, but to do it in a way where they are in control of it and they choose which books to learn, to pick up and read. Now they're in charge of their program and they're learning the way humans learn, but a lot faster. So I think when it is able to do that and make its own mind up, like you would ask it questions, what, what did you read? And it would answer in its own word based on its own vocabulary. And it's not just repeating what it read. You know what I'm saying? It would have to be, I guess, evidence of creativity. Right. You know, um, would it be able to draw from memory? Like if it saw a picture and they said, okay, here's, you know, these different colors here. Would it, you know, like a, if it had access to paint, would it know which colors to put in the right amount on the brush and then put it to a canvas based on what it just showed? What it was just seen? How accurate would it be? Would it, um, would it be in the style of something that they read about in art books or would they make it um, a representation in the style of um, of like um, Salvador Dali or something like that where everything looks you know disjointed and weird but it, you could tell that it was inspired by something that it saw like a photo of and just made a weird representation of it that's like using imagination or just deciding to go in a style that appealed to them maybe, you know, or Monet or something like that, make a painting of a, of a photo that they saw, make it in the style of a Monet painting or whatever. And, um, oh, okay, they chose that style. Or they decided to hear music of Mozart, but then decide to change things up a little bit well, they added something that wasn't there before. They kind of made something their own. You know, instead of playing it in A minor, they did it in, you know, C minor. I don't, I don't know musical terms that well, but, you know, that would show some sort of form of creativity. And I think if it shows creativity, then I don't think you could say it's not sentient or self-aware anymore, you know, before you could say it's just copying what it what it saw and showed uh, what, what it was shown and what it read um like when you're doing math on it for a test they want you to show your work you know they just don't want you to come up with the answer they want to show how you came up with the answer you know so you know it's not exactly the same, same thing you can't use creativity with that but i mean you would have to show what you learned to, to show that you actually learned it properly and adequately, you know, um, and a robot, if it was able to um, describe 
what it learned in words that weren't exactly the same. So you're not like, you know, doing plagiarism. Like when you're doing college stuff, you can't plagiarize. So you have to rearrange certain things, use like a, a th your knowledge, your own knowledge base of like a thesaurus. So you have synonyms of, of different words that are basically the same. So you're not using the exact same word. So if a robot was able to, to do that, access different words that mean the same than what it read in, in a certain textbook, that takes, it, I think that takes some sort of level of self-awareness. Yeah. But that's just my opinion. But an actual test of self-awareness is more detailed than that. That's just my opinion. Um, I forget the actual um, series of questions that are typically given or suggested to given this artificial intelligence. Time hmm. machines aren't that advanced to really test it, but when it comes time to really test an artificial intelligent program or, or robot or Android, there's, um, there was a, I think he was some sort of, um, I think he was a scientist that was also a, a philosopher and he, I forget his name, um, but he, he, they use him as an example of what they would probably um, issue this test to an artificial intelligence that claimed to be sentient, if it thought it was sentient or it made that claim, would it be part of the programming or would it, hmm. for something to even make a claim that they're self, that they're, they're right. really self-aware, wouldn't you have to be self-aware to make that claim? Why would a program <laughs> say it was if it wasn't, if it thinks it was, it is, you know what I'm saying? I think right. therefore I am <laughs> basically in a robotic sense because um, I don't know how a machine could actually come up with that statement without being self-aware to even make such a claim. You know what I'm saying? I, I, mean, I, like, I sound like repeating myself, but you know what I'm saying. You know? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I, I, th I think like a human could have programmed the machine to bluff you. It could, yeah. So I guess that, that would be the determining factor would be a series of questions meant to be foolproof. So it couldn't be, um, so the person couldn't be fooled by the programmer. You know, mm -hmm. you would have to come up with something that was, that couldn't possibly be something that the programmer could have anticipated. You know what I'm saying? A programmer can't anticipate mm -hmm. every single type of uh, question or scenario. So it would have to, you couldn't say, all right, what is the square root of 32 times pi or, you know, whatever equation, and then it would just repeat it. You know, oh, well, then it must be conscious because it was able to hear your question and answer it. Well, no, it, it could be, you know, program to understand speech, understand the question is a math one, and then answer appropriately. That doesn't mean it's self-aware. But if you ask a question that it couldn't possibly be programmed to know, like, um, oh, I don't know, um, maybe something to do with, I want to say something to do with sports or something to do with literature um, the latest book that came out, you know, I don't know. Um, 
show us something and have it describe what it's, I don't, I forget the exact methodology that it was, that was being applied, but it was definitely a series of questions that supposedly would be foolproof. I don't remember what those questions were, but it'd be interesting to like to research that. And that's a good question. You know, how would you know if something was really self-aware? And just because it said so, well, like you said, you make a good point. It could be programmed to say so by a scientist or developer that wants to get more grant money because it, oh, look, you know, I actually have more grant money because this thing is now self-aware. Now you should give me more money so I can go along with my program to make sure that this self-aware robot thing doesn't, you know, team up with others and take over. Give me money, I'll fix the problem, you know, this stuff like that. So yeah, he could be motivated, or she could be motivated by greed, you know, um, to um, try to dupe someone, you know, but, yeah. you know, the, these questions are at least um, asked in such books and movies um, by um, Isaac Asimov. He's one of Elon Musk's favorite authors. And then you have uh, Star Trek Next Generation. These questions are asked um, in some episodes of that show with Data. I think it was um, uh, something to do with um, being a man or something. I forget. I forget the name of the type, the title of the show. But basically, Data was put on trial. Um, of, of whether or not he was sentient. And therefore, he wouldn't have to be considered Starfleet property because they were going to dismantle him and study him to see if they can make more um, androids. And he's like, I want to help you one day, but I want to be able to do that on my own terms. Mm -hmm. And then the guy from Starfleet was saying, no, you're Starfleet property. You don't get to make that decision. You're not a real person. And um, then they were trying to determine whether or not that was true. So they, they put data on the stand that and that subjugated him to different questions. And um, he was able to ultimately prove that he was self-aware hmm. and uh, therefore he had rights like human being would have. And it was, it was a very interesting um, episode, it was really philosophical. So that was one of the reasons I liked Star Trek. Other people liked it for the um, pew, 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 laser beams and people shooting each other with laser guns and things exploding and all that. And that's all fun too. But I like, you know, people like me also like it for the intellectual uh, questions that it would ask and the ethics and the um, all these different things that aren't apropos to us right now, but will be hopefully some someday soon before we know it, sure. you know? Um, and that's, that's why I, I always had an affinity for science fiction because it inspires people like Elon Musk to do the things that um, make science fiction real, part of our reality, you know, slowly over time. You know, we need stuff like that to inspire technology and society to move forward. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's certainly true. Yeah. Uh, do you mind if we table the rest of this conversation for oh, sure. part three? 
Yeah, okay. Okay. And then we can just resume talking about like self-awareness, consciousness, and whatever other things or conversations lead, lead us to. Absolutely. That sounds good. <laughs>